0: everybody, if you are watching, my Facebook uh, doesn't seem to be showing me, but um, if you don't know me, my name is Joel Sedeckes, and I am a former pastor, now missionary with Crew City, and uh, Crew is an organization, oh hey Jerry, good to see you man. Um, Crew is an organization that is probably best known for its campus ministry um, to college students, but uh, there are many arms of the octopus. And so I work with the city ministry, my wife and I do. And what we do is we try to bring the gospel to people within the city, particularly of Chicago. And then our primary mission is we want to see believers equipped with knowledge, engaged in conversation with unbelievers, And encouraged to share and defend their faith and I'm just going to close this door really quick All right, so tonight we're talking about a question. I'm pretty psyched up about it's called is Christianity illogical is Christianity illogical now to get into this question We have to start by talking about just an accusation an objection to the Christian faith that we oftentimes hear, and that is that Christianity is, in fact, illogical. It actually flies in the face of logic. Now, the reason why it's important to be able to answer this question is, one, people are going to ask it. They are going to object. So just the reality of life is that people who do not believe the same way we do, non-Christian people, are going to ask isn't Christianity contradictory? It, doesn't it violate the laws of logic? And uh, isn't it isn't therefore what they're saying is, aren't you illogical for believing in it? Um, so that's the first reason. It's just people are gonna are gonna ask the question: Is Christianity illogical? Hey, Larry, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. Um, the second reason why we want to be able to answer this question is because um, we, as believers, we're actually commanded to be able to answer this question. See, in in uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, the Apostle Peter says that we need to always be prepared at all times to give an answer to anyone who asks us for the reason for the hope that we have within us. And so that would include sharing the reason for our hope with someone who asks us, is Christianity illogical? So the reason why this is a little tricky is because with this kind of approach that we're going to be talking about today, we're not just throwing evidence at the unbeliever. We're not just saying, well, here's a bunch of evidence, now believe. Use your reason, use your unaided, uh, logical, truth-seeking mind, and and believe. Instead, what we're going to do is we're actually going to do something. Um, co- we're going to engage presuppositionally. We're going to take a look at the presuppositions, the foundational beliefs. Oh, hey, Lisa. My wife's watching, so um, it's going to be a good one. Now uh, we're going to look at the the basic beliefs that are underlying even the very question of is Christianity illogical. So it's it's a little tricky because most of the time when we're speaking with one another, when we're having conversation, we just talk. We don't really think about what is going on uh, with our language. We just we just think. We just speak. We say the things that we think. Um, but what logic is, is logic is actually rules governing our reason and our communication. These are unbreakable rules. And so every single thought that we have, if it's a proposition, if it's a sentence, if it's a statement, um, we think it or we say it according to these rules. Our thinking must actually follow these rules. And if we don't, if we don't follow these rules, the rules of logic, then our speaking and our reasoning and our thinking has become what the philosophers call gobbledygook—that's an official philosophical term. So we need to think about the way that we think. We need to think about the laws governing the way that we think. And learning about logic and reason can be a lot of fun if you're into that sort of thing. It can be a lot of fun. It can also be um, a little bit like speaking a foreign language if you've never uh, if you've never gotten into this before. So hello to Scott. And it looks like my son Lucas is watching too. So, hi, Lukey. Thanks for watching, buddy. So, uh, Lukey, tonight we're talking about how to talk to people about Jesus. And when they don't believe in Jesus or they don't believe in God or that the Bible is true, how do we answer them? That's a question that we're going to be talking about tonight. That's the question we are addressing tonight. So, we're talking about logic and we're talking about these invisible laws that govern our speech. So let's define logic officially. Logic is the study of correct reason and argumentation, as opposed to incorrect reasoning and argumentation. The laws of logic govern all thought. They are laws of thought. They are mental laws, and they determine whether or not our reasoning is right, whether or not it even is sensible or logical, whether it even makes sense. So what are the laws of logic? Let's break this down. The laws of logic, uh, There. let's talk about four of them. There are more, but let's just talk about four of them just to kind of get a sense of where we're coming from, what we're dealing with. First, the law of identity. Now this one is so simple and basic that it almost doesn't even need to be said. But the law of identity is this. A thing is what it is. A thing is what it is. A is A. This sword is this sword. It's not another sword. It's not not this sword. It's just the sword. See, the sword is the sword. My crew mug is my crew mug. And yes, I'm drinking coffee at 9 p.m., 9.08 p.m. Um, the law of identity is that a thing is what it is. Now, the next law is the boss of the logical laws. It's the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says that a thing, a proposition cannot be true and false in the same way at the same time. A thing cannot possess contradictory properties to itself. Um, This coffee mug cannot be not this coffee mug in the same way at the same time. Does that make sense? So this coffee mug is not this coffee mug. I got this one from my daughter a couple of Christmases ago. I like this coffee mug. I like my crew coffee mug. But they're two different coffee mugs. So one thing cannot be not itself. Um, So if I say, well, this coffee mug is not this coffee mug, that's totally logical, that's totally fine. But if I say this coffee mug is not this coffee mug, right here, right now, that's not logical. That's violating the law of non-contradiction. Now, another one of these invisible laws. Oh, hey, Edgar, thanks for joining us. Another one of these invisible laws is the law of the excluded middle, the law of excluded middle. And that says this a proposition is either true or false, and there's nothing in between. It's either true or false with nothing in between. So, for example, my coffee mug either is my coffee mug or It's not my coffee mug. So it's either true or false that this is my coffee mug. It's not in between. Now, some people have proposed other systems of logic other than the one we're talking about now. and So they would say something like this. There are some propositions that are not true or false. For example, if someone were to say, you know, uh, he is bald. And let's say that there's a man who's got some hair on his head. The top of his hair is bald. The sides of his hair, he's got big bozo hair. Okay. Um, If you don't know who Bozo is, he's a beloved children's character from the Chicago area, hailing back to the 1980s and 90s. All right, but he's got great big red hair on the sides of his head, but he's bald on top. So is Bozo bald or or not bald? Um, Some people would say, well, neither one. Look, the fact of the matter is all you have to do is ask one more question. Uh, Is he bald on the top of his head? Yes. Okay, so that statement is true. It is true that Bozo is bald on the top of his head. The... Uh, So I I don't necessarily buy into this idea of alternate logics. It's beyond the scope of this conversation anyway. Suffice to say that one of the laws of logic, as we're discussing it tonight, is the law of excluded middle. A proposition is either true or false, nothing in between. The middle between true and false is excluded, hence law of excluded middle. John, thanks for joining us, man. Good to see you tonight. And then uh, finally, let's look at the law of rational inference. What that says is this, a, uh, a proposition is true if it logically follows from another one. So if A, then B, A, therefore B. How about this? Uh, if Sally is a cat, then she coughs up hairballs. Sally's a cat, therefore she coughs up hairballs. You got it. That's called the law of rational inference. Now. That's logic. These are these invisible rules that govern our lives. What are these, and what do these have to do with apologetics, the defense of faith? What do these have to do with logic? Or what do these have to do with God? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. And uh, here's how the laws of logic relate to God. First of all, the laws of logic, are they laws of things, or are they laws of non-things? Are they laws of thought? Are they material or are they immaterial? Are they made of matter or are they not made of matter? See, there are certain worldviews, materialist, atheist worldviews, naturalist worldviews. What they say is that everything that exists is matter and energy. That's all there is. There's just stuff. And that stuff is changing into energy, and the energy is changing back to stuff. But that's all there is. In fact, even our thoughts, even our thinking is just the the product of a material process. It's just protoplasm, and it's it's just neurons firing, and that's what all thinking is. But everything is ultimately just matter and energy. Okay, but then what do we do with the laws of logic? Because the laws of logic are not made of matter. They're not made of energy. They're immaterial. I listened to this great debate recently, and um, actually, I mentioned it when I am on the when I was on the Pastor Discussions podcast with John and Joe. John's watching right now, um, but I was on that podcast. I mentioned this debate. It's a debate between Craig Bonson and Gordon Stein. It goes back to the 1980s, one of the best debates about the existence of God ever, maybe the best. But in it, Greg Bonson asks. Greg Bonson's a believer. Gordon Stein's a, a, a non-believer. He asks him. Are the laws of logic material or immaterial? And Greg Stein, I mean, uh, Gordon Stein just says, well, how could a law be made of matter? And that's exactly the question. How could a law be made of matter? A law is not made out of matter and energy. It's mental. It's immaterial. And so the laws of logic are immaterial. They are invisible. They're also unchanging. The law of non-contradiction is true no matter where you go, Uh, it's true. It was true yesterday. It'll be true tomorrow. It will be, it was true a thousand years ago. It was true at the dawn of the universe. It'll be true at the end of the universe. They are unchanging. They're also universal, which means that they're true everywhere. If I go up onto Mars, the law of identity is still the law of identity. It's still true. If I were to pick up a Mars rock, that Mars rock would still be itself. The law of identity would still be true. It would still not be not itself. So you see, the laws of logic then are immaterial, they're unchanging, and they're universal. Now, most of the time when Christians or apologists are going to talk about the laws of logic, they typically stop right there. Immaterial, unchanging, or uh, and um, uh, universal. But I like to add a fourth attribute of these laws of logic, and that is this. They are knowable. The laws of logic are knowable to us. In other words... The very fact, every time we speak, if we stop and we think about what we're saying, we can discover the laws of logic. They're they're knowable to us. Our minds can understand them. They make themselves known to us. Now, we talked about what is logic. We've talked about what are the laws of logic. We've talked about the attributes of logic. We still haven't talked about what does any of this have to do with God. So what do the laws of logic have to do with God? And why is it an argument for God's existence that logic is a thing well to understand that let's first ask ourselves whether the Christian worldview uh, let's, let's ask ourselves if the non-christian worldview the unbelieving worldview an atheistic worldview for example can possibly account for the laws of logic so the laws of logic are immaterial well according to atheism or or atheistic nat- naturalism or materialism Matter and energy are all there is. So the laws of logic must be made of matter and energy. Now, that's impossible. The laws of logic cannot be made of matter. They're they're laws about thinking. They're laws of language. Now, language is about matter and energy, oftentimes. I could Say that this is my coffee mug, and that's a proposition about this coffee mug. The laws of logic are applied to that statement, but the laws of logic are not made out of material like this coffee mug is. This coffee mug is neither logical nor illogical. It's a logical. It's non-logical. It's it's neither. It's it's just has no relation to the the laws of logic. However, anything that I say or think about this coffee mug must necessarily be logical. You see what I'm saying? The laws of logic are immaterial. But what some have said is that the laws of logic, then um, they're not universal. They're not objective. That is to say, they're not immaterial and, or, or they're not unchanging and they're not universal. Um, what they say is that the laws of logic are merely conventions that human beings have sort of come up with to sort of describe things. And it's useful. It's, it's, it's a product of uh, it's not material, but it's it's mental, but it's just as a product of human minds. Well, if that's the case, then if, think about this now, if all the human beings who are in existence were to die off, then the laws of logic would no longer be a thing. They would no longer exist. Um, just kind of absurd to even think about, because It would still be true. And we can certainly imagine a universe in which there were no people. And in that universe, a rock would still be itself and not, 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 uh, it's not, not itself. But, um, it it doesn't even make sense to imagine a world in which the laws of, of logic aren't there that they don't obtain. And, um, as soon as a mind were to enter into that universe, the laws of logic would still be there. They're not, it wouldn't just be conventional. That mind would still be bound by the same laws of logic and his language would still have to be just as logical as our, our language has to be today. So the laws of logic aren't dependent on human minds. And they're also not just conventions that we've come up with. If they were just conventional, then we could say that they were just cultural. In that case, we could have our own set of logic, logical laws as Americans. And someone living in Sweden could have his, uh, could, in Sweden, they could have their own laws of logic. And uh, in uh, Burma, they could have their own laws of logic. And it wouldn't really matter. We would It would just be a cultural thing. But if that were true, then we'd have no way of communicating to Burmese people or Swedish people because A Burmese person might be talking to me and say that uh, this rock is itself, and he might actually mean the complete opposite. He might actually mean that it's not itself. You see what I'm saying? So the laws of logic, that's absurd. The laws of logic do apply universally, and they do apply to our thinking and to our language, and they are immaterial, and they are universal, and they are knowable. When we think or we speak, we are uh, we are speaking according to the laws of logic. Now, here's the question. Because what an, what an atheist or an unbeliever might want to say is that the Bible contains contradictions within it. And they might say, okay, so if the Bible contains contradictions, it's no longer logical. Now, here's the problem with that. What we've seen is that the atheistic worldview can't account for logic at all. And so a really sharp unbeliever or an atheist, if they were to enter into a debate with a Christian, what they would say right away, what they ought to say right away is, look, if we're going to debate whether God exists, we are not going to talk about logic, because my worldview does not give me a basis for believing in logic. I, I, I don't have a basis for believing in things that are um, immaterial that are universal, because matter is always changing, so I I don't have a basis for believing in anything that's unchanging. I don't have a basis for believing that, so we're not going to talk about logic. That's, if an atheist or an unbeliever were really sharp, they would come to the debate with that, with that, uh, that opening statement. Now, here's the problem with that. All those statements are bound by the same laws of logic that they want to deny, All those statements mean what they mean. They don't mean their opposite. And so the laws of logic, as we can see, are unavoidable. But atheism and unbelief doesn't account for them. So then, what about the Christian worldview? Does the Christian worldview provide a basis for believing that the laws of logic are real, that they are universal and immaterial and and objective and knowable and unchanging? Yes, and here's why. Because the Christian worldview says that behind and above all reality is a mind. It's the mind of God. And the mind of God is immaterial, unchanging, universal, and knowable. And so if God is all these things and God is real, which the Christian worldview just uh, uh, presupposes, we, we believe that God is real, and then what we can find out is that that biblical worldview gives us a basis for believing in the laws of logic and it gives us an explanation as to why we experience the world in a logical way okay so the god of the bible is immaterial isn't he john 4 24 says that god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth what is something that's spiritual what is something that is spirit someone who is spirit is not extended into space he is immaterial he doesn't take up space he's not made of matter he's not made of energy Uh, God is also unchanging. The Bible says in Malachi 3.16, it says that, um, you know what? That's actually, I had that verse pulled up, but that verse actually doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, support what I'm saying. It's, it's actually a random verse. I must have the wrong verse. But we do know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 14, 6, I believe, is the reference for that. So God is unchanging. He's consistent. Um, we also know that God is universal. He's everywhere. God is not everything. God is not in everything, but he is everywhere. And so Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 say, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. So God is universal, God is everywhere. And finally, God is knowable. In fact, the, the Christian faith, the Christian religion is the experience of knowing God through Jesus Christ. It's the greatest thing we can experience in life is knowing God personally. And so uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So not only can we know Christ, but in Christ we can know all things. Romans 11 36 says that for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. And uh, if we were to go to the book of Daniel, for example, which I just started reading with my son Lucas Lucas if you're still watching this you remember we started reading in the book of Daniel and the in chapter 4 of the book of Daniel we have this great story of King Nebuchadnezzar who goes God, not believing God and being a very proud man to having his reason and his rationality taken from him. And he's given the mind of an animal for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, his mind returns to him. And at that point, he knows God. And what does he do? He says he looks up to heaven in verse 34 and his sanity returned to him. And then he praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. And he starts recounting the attributes of God. And it's this amazing, incredible story of a man who didn't uh, didn't acknowledge God. And then his mind was taken from, from him. But then when he has his reason restored, he knows God and he praises God because God is imminently knowable. So now, what's the connection between this God and logic, the laws of logic? Here's the connection. We've got six and a half minutes left. The connection is this. The Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, makes sense of logic. It's not logic, therefore God. It's not. Let's go and observe every possible proposition in the universe, and let's see if we can uh, we can deduce from that using our, using our deductive logic. We can deduce whether or not logic is universally. True. And then we'll have an argument for God. That's not it. Instead, it's we look at scripture and we say, what does scripture teach us about God? Oh, it teaches us that God is universal and immaterial and unchanging and imminently knowable. Hmm. If the universe were created by a mind like that, what might the universe be like? Oh, it might be governed by, all of our thinking might be governed by these laws, and the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. So, is it any wonder that when we communicate with each other, we do so in a logical way, according to the, the laws of logic? Now, let's get back to our objection: the objection that um, the Bible contains logical contradictions. Ultimately, what that that um, objection is saying is that the Bible is not consistent with the laws of logic. But what that what that objection is saying is that therefore there must be a basis for the laws of logic, because as an unbeliever, I'm asking you to conform to the laws of logic. There must be a basis for those laws of logic outside of scripture and outside the God of scripture, because the God of scripture, according to this point of view, doesn't provide that basis. So he, 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 he not only does he not exist, but he does not provide the basis for the laws of logic. The problem is there is no other basis for the laws of logic. We've just seen that. So if that's the case, then what do we do with these alleged contradictions? Well, here's what we do. We we go to the Bible with the eyes of faith. You might say, well, faith, I mean, isn't faith what you believe when you don't have any evidence, when you don't have any any logic? No. Faith is trust. Faith is more than just uh, believing against evidence. It's not believing against evidence. But faith is trust. And so when we go to the Bible with trust in god when we approach the father and his word through jesus christ what we see is that all these alleged contradictions in the bible there are very good explanations for them that i've never met a contradiction in scripture yet supposed contradiction that didn't have a good logical explanation now that might not be convincing to an atheist or someone who is hell-bent on um disproving the Bible. But that non-believer has to then come up with a basis for the very law of non-contradiction which he wants to apply to Scripture outside of Scripture. You see, that's impossible. And so what we're left with is really two options. Either the Bible is true and the Christian worldview is true or nonsense. Or there is no logic. And we can't even say there is no logic because that statement in and of itself uh, is um, is governed by the laws of logic. And wow, I just scrolled down and I saw all these comments. Okay, so Larry says, awesome debate. Thank you. Lynn is watching. Hello. Javier is watching. So- Sorry, guys. I didn't see you were watching. Missy is watching. Hello. Uh, my brother-in-law, Carlos. Um, Larry says, give me a bucket of logic. Uh, yeah, you can't do it. Although, you might say, okay, here. Want a bucket of logic? Here. Let's, let's start here. <laughs> Here's a a bucket full of logic all right here. My Bible. All right. Uh, Lynn says Psalm 139 is one of her favorite passages. Love it. Um, Chad, what's up, man? James, Brother Rollins, even though I know that's not how you pronounce your name, I've been pronouncing it that way for 25 years. Not going to stop now. Um, Guys, great to see you. Here's the point. Logic depends on God. If we presuppose God, then, we are well within our epistemic rights, our knowledgeable rights. Epistemology means knowledge, have the study of knowledge, to hold ourselves and others to logic. Now, Larry had asked me earlier, um, what about other worldviews? Without unpacking each and every worldview right now, because I've got a minute and a half left, here's what I want to say. There is no other religion or um worldview or philosophy that accounts, that contains within itself a basis for believing in the laws of logic. Islam does not. Islam contains internal contradictions within the Quran and even what it, what it claims to to recognize as other scripture. The, the Quran says that uh, the word of God cannot be changed, and yet... Muslims believe that the Bible has been changed. which but, but the Quran says that the Bible, the Old and New Testaments, are the word of God, the word of Allah. Uh, Judaism, as it is today, I'm not talking about the way it was in Jesus' day or in Moses' day, but Judaism today has contradictions between the Tanakh, which is the Old, Old Testament, and the Talmud, which is the body of traditions. There are, there are contradictions there. Uh, Roman Catholicism has contradictions between the Bible and it's uh, it's tradition, the tradition of the, the magistrates, of the um, magisterium. Secular humanism, we looked at that. Uh, the New age religion um, and Eastern religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, they claim to be fine with contradictions. Um, but when someone tells you that they're fine with contradictions, they're fine with logical errors, you just have to ask them, okay, so is it true that you're not fine with contradictions? Because that's a contradiction, and according to you, you're fine with that. But if you're not fine with contradictions, then you're not fine with them. You can't go back from that. Anyway, that's the video. Setacase.wordpress.com is my blog. Thank you guys. At Joel Setacase on Twitter. Goodbye.